Good morning, church. I got good news for you today, uh, church. Um, half of you are in the light, and half of you are in the dark. I just noticed that. That's not the good. That's not the good news. But it's kind of biblical, you know. If you know about the uh, sheep and the goats, we'll get that. Uh, we'll bring you guys. We're a church that we're, we're we're relentless love. Like we'll be patient. We'll bring you guys in the light here in just a second. I got good news for you that today um, the gospel is still true, right? The gospel, we're centered around the gospel. The gospel is, it's it's the translation. When you translate um, the original word in the biblical times, gospel, you translate it into English, it it translates as good news. Uh, We like to define it as the incredible news because good is a word that kind of gets thrown around in in our language and it doesn't mean as much. So we talk about the incredible news of our rescue and adoption. So we're centering our church, centering our lives, centering our short, short, tiny time on this earth around the truth that you have been uh, relentlessly loved on your worst day, on your best day, that there's a God who knows your name and loves you. He doesn't uh, give up on you and that he has done what is necessary, done for you what you could not do for yourself and he's rescued you from sin and death and stain of 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 our humanity that we have no answer for and he has adopted us into his family to do his work and to one day be united with him forever. That's true again today. We are focused on forever. So we're centered on the gospel. We're focused on forever because we're closer today than we've ever been. And we are a movement. We are moving. We're not sitting still. We are a gospel-centered, forever-focused, multi-ethnic movement of God, and in our multi-ethnicity and all that is tense in our culture, um, we constantly declare that God is not trying to make us the same. That's not the goal that we'd be the same, that he would make us and is making us one. And we're seeing that day by day, week by week, and, and some of these events that we've been talking about, and God was so good in our men's retreat and the women's day coming this Saturday. It's all part of the gradual process of God building his united, not same, but one church. And it's good news that we're free, right? Right, freedom, and, and we talk about that in, our, in patriotism and democracy, and that's not what we're talking about when we say free. We're free in Christ, like we're, we're the worst of us, our worst time, our worst day, like we are able to have communion and relationship with a holy God who knows everything we've ever done and thought. Like we're just, we don't have to pretend, we don't have to mask, we don't, we don't have to cower, right? We can just approach the throne of grace with confidence and it's so good to sit in that again today. But I've got some other good news that is related to the good news of the gospel, right? In this series of 90,000, so we've been talking about somebody did the research and said that 90,000 is the average number of hours you spend working in your life. Now, working is paid work, unpaid work. It's paying the bills. It's taking care of the garden. It's mowing the yard. It's, it's producing. It's being productive. It's academics. If you're in school or in college, like your academics are your work in, in that way. So there's a bunch of things that fit, if you're in, you know, fit under the banner of work. But whatever you do, if you live a good, long life, then somebody decided or did the research, 90,000 hours is how long you spend. So I've got some good news that is directly from the gospel, but that is directly applied to you and your work. All right, you ready for this good news? You ever heard this phrase, um, work-life balance? All right, you heard that? Well, here's, here's the good news, and you may not think it's good news. It is good news. I, th- I think you'll like it, but it's true whether you like it or not. Work-life balance is impossible. Hey. <laughs> okay? So we get to let that go, the myth of work. Now, what are we talking about? Work-life balance, if you haven't heard of that phrase or are not familiar with it, it's this idea, and, and people have different visuals of balance. It's this idea that you got to keep everything balanced, right? So my job or my school and my family or my general life, like I've got I've to balance those things out. So I can't, let, I can't let life keep me out of my job or I'll get, I won't have a job. Right? And I can't, I can't let my job like, overtake and, and mess up my life because we don't want that. So we've got to somehow keep these things in perfect harmony and balance. And that's not possible. And it's not even good, right? Why is it not? Let me tell you why it's not possible and why that's good news for us today. Why it's not possible. One, because what we've been learning in this series 
Right? We try to put these things in two different buckets. Work is here and life is here, and God doesn't call us to do that. Right? So work life, like we're, we're not even trying to put these things in, in opposite. Right? They, they go together. Right? If, 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 we're, if this last week was the worst week in your history of, at your job, right? that's going to affect some other things about life. Right? We can pretend like it doesn't, but it does. They're inner. Connected, they're not separate. And, and some of you learn that all too well, right? Some of you are still working at home. Some of you are gonna work for home forever. And, and you, some of you love that. But, but some of you struggle with working at home because you like that separation. Like I got my, my family and my people and I see them after work. I'm trying to do my work and my family's in my way, right? And it's like I need them to be indifferent. But well, the reality is mentally, emotionally, spiritually from God's perspective, there's not two buckets of work and life. So the idea of balancing those, like a balancing beam or a seesaw or whatever, like trying to keep, keep those straight, it doesn't even make sense because they're so interconnected, they're so intertwined. The other reason it's impossible is to keep these things balanced. It, the, the phrase work-life balance, it implies that your effort is what's gonna keep this right. And the problem with that is there are so many variables to work-life and most of them are out of your control. So you're trying to achieve something that is probably not possible to achieve, and to, in order to achieve it, it's dependent on a ton of factors in the environment, a ton of factors in your work, a ton of factors of other humans, like your boss or your employees or your whoever, and all these things have to go just right, and maybe for one Thursday in November, you might feel like, I kinda got things balanced, right? And it never lasts. And then you assume I'm doing something wrong because I don't feel balanced, right? So we get to let all that go. It's impossible. You're not going to pull it off. Not a per- like balance means it's a scale. And they're, right, it's not here. It's not even here. It's perfect. Like, stop. We get to let that go. Now, we need to admit there is a tension, right? So somebody a lot smarter than me said this years ago, um, it's on the statements on the screen. This is a, this, this issue of work and life. It's a tension to be managed, not a problem to be solved. All right, so we're going to manage. There is some tension there. We're going to get into it. God's going to help us with that. But what he wants you to do is not balance your work and your life, right? We're not playing the old, like some of you, a few of you remember the old, old, old song, uh, everybody's working for the weekend, right? It's not, it's not like I got to go do my, my stuff and then, so then I can get to life. Like work is good. We've talked about that. We unpacked that two weeks ago. Raf did an incredible job last week um, preaching to us. So, so we've talked about that, but there is some tension and we're going to, we're going to manage that. And really it's about, instead of trying to balancing your life, I think God wants you to prioritize, right? He wants you to audibly and then after you get the verbal part, because let's be honest, I know our church, I'm getting to know our church better and better. I think today, a lot of you will, will be able to verbalize, even at the end of the day, like some of this is pretty simple. You'll be able to verbalize some next steps for you and in, in your life. The issue for us often is, and it's not just us, I think it's humans, the, the bridge between verbalizing next step and taking right, executing that, that actually doing something, right, but the first part of that is knowing your priorities, knowing what you're about, because sometimes, sometimes work, whether that's school, paid work, unpaid work, it needs to take a back seat. Like, wait a second, didn't, didn't we start two weeks ago with how good work is, and work is worship? Worship never takes a back seat. Yeah, you're right, you're right, but sometimes because of environment, because of what's going on, because of circumstances in your control, out of your control, it needs to take, it needs to not be your utmost priority. It never needs to be your utmost priority, but sometimes it needs to take a back seat. We got to watch out for, so there's this word in scripture, idle, right? And it's used two different ways. It's two completely different words spelled I-D-L-E-I-D-O-L, right? So we got to be careful with this with our work because scripture speaks to not being idle, I-D-L-E, meaning don't sit around and do nothing, right? Talked about in the, in the context of a church and a, and a healthy, able um, 
person, like if they don't work, then they don't eat. Like it was talking, the context of that is like the church is gonna take care of people that need help. And if you're someone who's like, oh, there's stuff that I can get for free, the church will provide it. So that sounds like a good plan. I'm gonna do that, right? Because that sounds like better than working and feeding myself. And the church and the scripture of Jesus says, don't feed that person, right? Because if they, if they can work and don't work, then this is for the people that can't work and need our help, right? So, so don't be idle. So work is good, work is worship, all those things are real. But also, don't let work become an idol, I-D-O-L. All right, what's an idol? Right, we, we don't bow down to stone figures like they were talking about in the Old Testament, but what we have today, an idol, and you gotta be real, you gotta be real personal with yourself right now. Because if we go around this room, which we would never do, if we go around this room and talk about what might be an idol in your life, oh my good, like they're gonna be all over the place. Idols can be good things. Idols can be evil things. Idols are something that is getting a prominent spot ahead of God, right? It, it could be my, my exercise. It could be my academics. It could be my relationship. These are things that are not bad or not sinful. But if it gets what only God wants to get or should get, right? He says he's a jealous God because he made you to be in relationship with him and he wants to be in that spot in your life. And if he's not, like there's something that is stealing what should only go to God, then that would be in the bucket of an, an idol. So I want you to think of it this way. I want you to think of chasing, right? Chasing Jesus. Now, that may be a weird visual for you. Like, and, and here's the example I'm going to use. This is a game back in the day. Uh, young people, um, they play all kinds of stuff, right? They spike ball, and, and they got their own stuff, and half of it's on a little you know, phone, all the games they play. I don't know if freeze tag made it through to this generation, right? I don't think, I, don't think, I, I haven't seen it, which is sad to me. Because that's a quality game, right? Free stack. And then, yeah. So back in the day, we would, we would like spice it up. Anybody ever play a TV freeze tag? Right? You're running. You're about to get tagged. I can remember visibly playing this out in front of the church lawn. And, and you know, freeze tag, the fast kids win. TV freeze tag is physical and the mental at the same time. I'm about to get tagged. If I say, Cosby show, he can't tag me. Right, but you, got, you can't use the same TV show. Y'all didn't do that where y'all, that was a Winston-Salem thing, maybe. All right, so, so imagine freeze tag chase, right? And, and your academics, your retirement, your daily activities, your job, your work, that's in a human form. That's a person. So here he, here he or she is, picture it however you want, right? And then here's Jesus, Right? Jesus was always, he, he was never, uh, he never didn't exist, but he came to earth in the form of humanity to save us. And, and here's Jesus and whatever uh, you visualize when you see Jesus. So it's Jesus and it's work and you're it, right? So you've got to chase one or the other. Now here's, here's the beautiful thing. Sometimes they go the same direction. So in chasing Jesus, you're also being a good worker and fulfilling what your boss or job or organization or professor or school, you're doing both at the same time. I love it when they go the same direction. But sometimes Jesus goes that way and your work does not. And what you're trying to do is chase both and that will drive you insane because it's impossible you have to choose what am I chasing first and foremost, and I'll figure out the rest from that. Now, the, the problem with that little analogy is Jesus doesn't run from us. Like in tag, you're trying not to get like, Jesus is coming to you, not away from you. And you're like, you don't know me. You don't know what I do. You don't know what I think. You don't know what I believe. And I may not, but I know one thing, Jesus is coming to you. Right, that's just true and beautiful. So you can, you can hate that, you can run from him, but he doesn't run from you. But even though he's not running, like we wanna be a church, we were trying to, that's the life we're called to, to chase, to go get Jesus. And sometimes when we're chasing Jesus, it's really good for our work, right? And people see that and it kinda, sometimes it leads to promotions and sometimes it's just blessing of following Jesus. And then sometimes, Sometimes there's a, I, I've worked in um, ministry as a full-time pastor for most of my adult life. I told you two weeks ago, you know, 
we talked about Jay Riggins, which most of you never heard of. I waited tables at Olive Garden, sold some Cutco. But for the most part, since I've been out of college, this is what I do for a living, which is very different. And I know some of you are like, well, you can't relate. But I did, if you didn't know, I did for almost three years. I worked a normal job. I was in sales, um, uh, insurance, and I had a six-month period where I was getting trained. And after that, they told me, you can go, you, decide, you tell us when you're ready to go, straight commission, right? So we got some sales people in the church. You know what this is. So sometimes you get a draw, you get this. Uh, so for me and this job, it was truly straight commission. So once I went to straight commission, I could work all week. I could do everything. And if I didn't sell anything, I was driving and working and doing everything for nothing. I got nothing. I didn't get a little something on the side if you had a bad, like I got zero dollars. I only got paid, right? Which is a crazy life. Some of you are living that life. I enjoyed it for the most part, right? So I'm in training. And the guy's teaching me, and we're going to talk about him. Uh, there's a whole other story about him in a couple weeks. But this guy um, is just abrasive, and he's telling me how it's got to go. And he's like, listen, you've got you to front load your week. You've got to, you got to fill Mondays. Like, you've got to get as many appointments as possible Monday morning, Monday afternoon, Monday night. You've got to, um, because to get your week going, and that's when people are more likely to meet, and you set it up on the weekends, Monday night, that's your biggest night, right? And I'm like, oh, man. Uh, so he finished his little deal, and he's like, and I said, hey, uh, Monday night's not an option. For me, I'm in this small group, and I, I, I can't do appointments on Monday nights. I'm committed to that, right? And he's like, no, well, that's going to have to go. And I was like, no, my understanding and my contract is once I go straight commission, which I'm going like in two weeks, there's no rules. That's the, that's the beauty of straight commission. You don't, you don't tell me anything. The problem with this is if I don't sell anything, I don't make anything, right? So he's like, you're right. You can do what you want. Um, and I had, I had two, uh, they're right there. I had two little ones at the time, um, two two-year-olds. And he said, you, you're right, uh, but your kids aren't going to eat. If that's, if that's what you want to do, your kids aren't going to eat. And I was like, wow, you know, I, you had to go all the way to my kids aren't going to eat. Maybe, maybe like, you know, you're going to struggle. Like my, if I don't do Monday night appointments, kids. But, and this is what, man, this is so personal to me as we talk about small groups. We talk about, you know, stuff like this Saturday with if. And we just talk about this as we're coming back to life. And, and I'm not even using that phrase anymore. We've already come back to life from the pandemic and God is working. It, it's not a, man, you should be in church. I, I, I hope that I never give any kind of vibe of like, making guilting into like, you know better, you should be. No, I was at a point in my life where I wasn't working at a church. I wasn't a, a pastor. I was working a normal job and, and God was rebuilding my life and my marriage. And one thing that was non-negotiable was this precious group of people that we were walking towards Jesus with on Monday night. And this, this dude didn't get that and I didn't expect him to, but that was an easy decision. And you know what? I didn't do Monday night appointments and God blessed that. Right? And, and we, my kids did eat, and so did I. Right? In fact, eventually, I was at the place, and some of you live this life, and sometime or deep, I'm still a little jealous because I just couldn't believe this was true. Eventually, I was living the life where I had just hired other people to do what I was doing, and I was sitting at home watching the ACC tournament. They were out selling, and I was making a percentage of what they were doing. It felt so wrong, but so right. And right as it was kind of taken off is when God called me back to uh, ministry in church as a, as a job. And I was like, but no, but, but, but it, was, it was right. We'll get to calling and some of that in future weeks. I'm just saying, you know your own story, right? Sometimes you chase Jesus and people aren't going to understand, right? And that's, that's true for us. So we have five Amazing people that are on staff at our church. I hope you know them and love them, pray for them, encourage them. Uh, Raph um, and Joy, Raph's our associate pastor, preached last week. Joy's our women's pastor. They're our full-time staff along with myself. Uh, Seth is part-time. He leads our worship. Uh, Takesha is part-time because they both have other jobs, and she leads our, our kids. Um, and, and this is true of us, too. Sometimes, you know, things can, even in our, in our work, can be at odds. For example, you guys that know Joy know what this year has meant for her. We prayed for a long time and, and she took just faithful, bold steps. Um, in 2022, she became um, a foster mother of two little ones. So, so she's a single foster, single first-time mother, single foster mother in 2022 with two kids under four. 
Let me say that again because it just makes me, makes me a little, it makes me, woo, you know, a single first time foster mother, two kids under four. And she's doing um, so much. And this Saturday is a big day for our church, big day for joy and big day for our women. Um, and when we planned this series, because um, I was like, Joy, I know you got a lot going on. Um, we love to hear your voice as part of, you know, what she does. Um, but hey, I, I'd love for them to hear from you on this subject of work because of the jobs and the places she's been from California back to here. Um, and she's like, yeah, I, I want to do one of those. So she's scheduled to preach two weeks from today. And I just know how things have been in her house lately. So uh, we were here earlier this morning and I was like, you know, I, I need to not wait till staff meeting. Let me go ahead and have this conversation so she can be praying about the decision. So I was just trying to live out what we say we are here and health and what that looks like and work like, because I could play the card of like, hey, you said you were going to preach. I'm, I'm excited to be off, right? I want them to hear from you. You got something to say. God will fill the gaps. God will get you there. It'll be okay. But that's like, we use that language and it sounds good. A lot of times it's really not, right? So for you, sometimes we have people come to us and we clap for this. You say you're serving in student, you're serving in kids, you're serving in guest services. And sometimes people say, hey, I just need I need a break. I'm serving in worship. I just need to sit. And we applaud that, right? We, we don't like, what? What's wrong? Now, what happens sometimes is when they say they need to sit, when we don't see them for six months, right? That's not God. He's not calling you to leave and go do your thing. But sometimes he does call us to sit, right? So, so I just said to Joy, I was like, hey, why don't, you, why don't you take a few days and pray about it? If you, if you don't feel good, if this isn't right um, for you to preach in two weeks, like, like, that's, you know, we're, we're fine, right? Before I could finish the sentence, she's like, I'm out. <laughs> it's like, oh, she, do, she doesn't need to pray. All right, all right. And, and we applaud that, right? Because pre- preaching is a, a serious thing. I learned that on my sabbatical. Like, I had no idea. Um, and I used to not talk about this because I felt like, oh, you know, I never want to be that pastor who's like, our job is so hard. Like, we have such a, we're so blessed. We're so, so blessed. I didn't know until I took 13 weeks off like bring it, like I'm supposed to be delivering the words, not of me, but of God. And I can, I'm not perfect in that, but that's our goal when I'm preaching joy, wrath, whoever's preaching. Um, and that's, that's a big call. And we, we have other people who can preach and guest preachers and people we can call on. But right now, those two little ones, they need joy, right? And, and sometimes it works out where everybody can get what they need from you, but sometimes it doesn't. And here's the beautiful truth that may be hard for you to hear. We're all replaceable in our job. I know I am, right? Some of you would cry, and I appreciate it, right? Some of you would cry. Some of you would not shed a tear. If I'm gone, like, there's, like, no concern about the church of Jesus, right? I'm replaceable. But where we're not replaceable is with some people in your life. Those two little ones that Joy has been giving care, responsibility of care for, she's not replaceable, Right? I'm not replaceable as a dad and as a husband. So we hope they go the same direction, Jesus and work, but sometimes they don't. And that's where you gotta make the right call. You gotta prioritize what God says. See, we have nothing to prove. We use that phrase a lot because the cross took away any like pretend that we gotta prove something to our employer. Some of you are still... Like, you know who you are in Jesus, but you got to convince that you're your boss, that you're like, you know, your work will speak for itself. I get that. But and we, we don't live like that. We don't have to prove anything to anybody, right? Because of the gospel. We, we can't even play a significant role in our existence. <laughs> None of you did anything to help yourself exist. Isn't that crazy? Like, we're alive and breathing and all that, but none of you can, can make any kind of speech of like, well, here's what I did to help bring myself into existence, right? You have no, right? We, we have no role in, in our forgiveness. Like we, our only role in forgiveness is needing it. All of us have earned the, the need to be forgiven because of our messed upness, because of our rejection, betrayal, rebellion against God. That's all we, none of us can, can earn our forgiveness from a holy God. We have no role except to trust him. So if that's true, then our identity and our freedom and that he did for us what we couldn't do for, and I'm clear and clean and it doesn't even seem right and possible, but it is true. And the more I step into it, the more he, know, he, he proves himself that it is true. Then when I go to work, man, I'm not going in there with all this pressure to prove anything to anybody. 
So we just chase Jesus. And we work hard. I'm not pleased. Don't hear any different. We'll talk about that in this series of why that's so important. But the key today is just you being honest with yourself. Are you chasing Jesus? I'm not talking about believing. In the job I worked um, those three years, there was a guy uh, that I was friends with a little bit before, and I got to know him a lot. And um, we would speak pretty pretty real and pretty raw with each other. And, and one day early in the first few months, um, I'd been talking about Jesus and, and he was open to that. We were having some good conversations. And then he was like, dude, you know I'm a Christian, right? I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, you just keep like coming at me with this stuff and like trying to help. Like, and he's like, you know, I'm a, you know I'm a Christian. And I'm thinking, no, I definitely didn't. I didn't, I had no idea. I was like, my bad, man. That's like, that's a beautiful news. I was like, so He's like, yeah, I believe, I believe in God since I can remember. I was like, so, so you would say, like you would say that your life is about following Jesus. And I remember I was sitting at my desk, he's standing in the doorway and he laughs out loud. <laughs> no, no, I would definitely not say that, but I, but I believe in God, right? And it's like, oh my, that's part of like the early seeds of us planting a church is because we, we don't live in some third world country, but we have such an ignorant understanding in American culture of what a Christian is. And this dude who'd been around church, smart, educated, all those things, he was like laughing at the idea of following Jesus. But you know, I'm a Christian, right? And that's normal. So, so as we talk about this and where it fits in with your work or your school, the key is for you to be honest with yourself. We're not raising hands or doing any of that. Are you chasing Jesus? Are you following him? When he's here and he goes that way, are you behind him? Sometimes a little scared, sometimes a little doubtful, but where you go, I'm going with you. And that may affect my job and it may affect it positively and it may affect it negatively. But at the end of the day, I'm just going where you go. That's a Christian. And we need each other. This isn't, this isn't a, a showing, right? The movie, I love the movies, right? Uh, you go to a showing, right? Nine o'clock, 11 o'clock, we have two showings. It's not a showing. This is a group of people that need each other because it is hard to follow Jesus. And it is impossible to follow Jesus on your own. So the beauty of, of things like men's and women's retreat, and if you can't go to those, you're, you're good. Like the beauty is getting into some lives and knowing some names and getting some encouragement outside of Sunday with people that are trying to chase the same Jesus that you are. Here's how Jesus said it. He said it beautifully. He said in Matthew 6, for the pagans run after all these things. What are all these things? It's the things that some of you think you work for. Some of you say, I work so I can provide, right? And Jesus talking about food and clothes. He's like, yeah, the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But... Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Mm. Seek first. Right, and I know our church, I know, I know where some of you come from, and I know your heart on this. When you hear something like, seek first the kingdom of God, some of your heart is, dude, I think God's pretty, pretty happy with me right now. I know he's not first, but he's in the top 10, right? And if you know where I was three years ago or 10 years ago or three months ago, like he wasn't even on the radar. Like I wasn't seeking God in any way, shape, or form. I'm getting there. I'm trying. Now, he ain't number one, but he's probably seven or eight, and we got to like, you know, we got to give some credit for progress, right? I guess, right? If he was not on your radar and now he's on the radar, that's a step, right? We're all in process. So God bless you, grace, mercy, and all that. But this idea of the lordship of Jesus, nothing in his words, in his word, in his life, nothing indicates that he is at all at peace or okay with any slot in your life other than one. Right? It doesn't mean he's mad at you, but he's not a, a figure. He's not a hobby. He's not a consultant. He's not a genie. He is Lord of lords and king of kings. He is the one and only the first and the last. He made you. He created you. He knows you. He's coming back to get you. He has done for you what no anything has ever done close. He died in your place, defeated death on top of it. And he says, I am first or I'm nothing. Either I'm your Lord or 
I'm not. And we're all going to have struggles in that. Don't feel pressure from that. I just want us to figure out what seeking God and his kingdom and Jesus first, chasing him. What does that look like for whatever you're doing tomorrow? And seeking first does not cause the tension to go away, right? The tension that we're managing, it doesn't, it doesn't destroy the tension. But what it does is it makes things more clear. It makes it clear when you follow Jesus what everything else has to get in line. It's your schedule, with your finances. Everything gets in line when you seek him first. Now, let's talk about rest briefly, right? Because when you seek and chase Jesus first, a part of that is biblical rest, and there's, there's messages and there's probably series coming in 2023. I'm not ready for that. If you don't know, I, I took the first sabbatical of my career. I took 13 weeks off this summer. I learned and am learning about rest. The most encouraging thing about that, if you haven't heard me say this, is that what I learned and what God did in me, it transferred. I was a little worried that it was going to be a great sabbatical. And then I came back in September and I'm right back where, you know, like, and, and the things that he's teaching me are actually better in the day-to-day real life than they were when I was sitting alone in the woods, right? Which got a little old, to be honest, right? So it, so it matters, and I'm learning, but I'm not, I'm not far enough along in that process to, to say a whole lot. So I'm learning from others and, and applying that, and it's real, and it matters. Here's what I know about us. We overschedule, we under-rest. Maybe you're the exception. God bless you. Maybe come up here and talk to us about it. Right? We overschedule, we underrest. we feel like there's something beautiful and godly about a yes to somebody asking us to do something, and we feel a little wrong and ungodly about a no. And the reality is no is often the more godly response than yes. So I'm just going to give you three quick things on rest, and we'll move on to, to work. But this matters in your work and, and the, the myth of balance um, one biblical result of rest is you embrace limitations. I've figured out I've gone through three phases in my life and I'm brand new to this. So this isn't something I've been doing for 10 years or even 10 months. I was from the, I ignored my limitations stage, then I acknowledged my limitations stage, which is where I've been since most of you know me. And now I'm stepping into this phase of embracing limitations. Rest and biblical rest is built on you have human limitations that God meant for you to have. And when you act like I have no limits, I can go all day, I can go all night, I can work extra shifts, I can do the 85 hours and still be a good uh, spouse, a good student, a good son, a good daughter, I can do it all, bring it, I'll, I'll sleep when I'm dead, right? People hear that, that, that whole thing, right? That's not from God. There's a dude I was talking to a few months ago, he doesn't go here. And he was, he was almost bragging about how much he was needed at work. And he told me, and I, didn't, I don't want to know this about you. I don't want to know what you do in the shower. But he was like, I got to take my phone in the shower. Because if they call, like, they can't, like I got I to I have my phone on me all the time. Because if work calls, I got to be ready. And I was thinking, that's not impressive, right? There was a time I probably would have been impressed by that. But that's really scary, right? If we're chasing Jesus, we're going to embrace our limitations. And sometimes your boss doesn't embrace your limitations, right? So what do you do with that? You're like, well, if I'm, if all, some of you are already like, hey, that's great if you're in a good, healthy situation. I'm not. So as long as I'm going to, so what am I supposed to do? Leave my job? Maybe. That's next week, though. There's your little tease. Next week, we'll talk about how do I know when it's time to go, right? How do I know when it's time to, to go and, and when God will help us with that? Second, embrace limitations. Second, it causes us to live optimally. Like it lives, you know, like there's all kinds of studies outside of scripture. When you rest, you're a better. Like that's why 25% of Fortune 500 companies are starting to give sabbaticals to their workers. There's all this competition to keep good workers and it's, they're realizing like rest matters. So, so it's not just like this is something you should do. It's like it proves itself. I'm, I'm, for the first time and since pre-pandemic, I'm committed to uh, Sabbathing and resting and taking a day off. And sometimes it's the same thing. Sometimes they aren't. 
right? But that's, that's new for me, and I'm, what, six, eight weeks into that? And again, what is the, the limitations? And the, the, my flesh says, well, if I, if I commit to this, and I really commit and protect it, then I'm not going to have enough time to get done what I need to get done. And I think it's maybe too early to say, but I, I'm pretty confident I'm more productive since I've been committing to that than I was before. Right? You just got to have boundaries. It's a part of the embracing the limitations. Like, I'm never going to get it all done. And I'm going to be better at home and father and husband and pastor. And, and you're going to be better at whatever you do. If you do what God was so clear that he made us to do. He worked. He wasn't tired, but he rested as a gift. Because he made us to live best and most optimally when we're resting. And some of you, you just... You're, you're that guy, you're that woman, and, and I've been that guy and that woman. If you're answering emails on vacation, right, right, and that was me. I was like, well, why, it just take me a second. Yeah, it just takes you a second, but you're never anywhere, right? And your family knows it. It's just, it's not best. Third, the biggest one, I think the result is, is it just deeper trust, develops a deeper trust for God. That's what Sabbath is all about. This was an agricultural thing back in the day. They were farmers and they had to eat and you're telling me not to work for one whole day. If I don't work, there's nothing coming out of the ground. There's nothing coming out of the ground. There's nothing for us to eat. And God said, I got you. I'm gonna give you extra on the, on the fifth, on the sixth day so you can take a day off and just try, and there's such trust. Now we don't, you, we don't have a ton of farmers at Relentless, but whatever you do, not doing it is a sign for a period of time is a sign of trust, it's huge, it's saying to God, I need you more. I need you more than I need to produce. Me just sitting with you is more important than me knocking out my to-do list. Be honest, not out loud. Do you think it's possible for somebody to come up to you and say, after, after service here and say, hey, how you doing? Do you think it's possible for you to ever honestly say, you know what, I'm really well rested right now. You're laughing. <laughs> Tells us a lot, All right? Some of you are like, man, I've answered that question a thousand ways and never once and probably never will I say, you know, I'm really well rested. I'm, I'm, I may, you may disagree with me. I, I, I think that's possible for everybody in the room. You're like, Pastor, you don't, you don't know. You don't know what I, you don't, I don't. But I know what God says, and I know who he created us to be. I know his promises are, are true, and yes, there's seasons. Oh, my goodness, there's seasons. Is, is it me, you guys with little kids, is it me, or is every little kid in the world sick right now? It's like, we used to, like, be sick for a week and healthy for six, right? And now it's like, it's just constant. It's not everywhere, like, what, I don't know. And when your kid's sick, right, that's going to have an impact on you. I get it. Tough weeks. Don't feel guilty. Oh, my goodness. If you're hearing what I'm saying and you're leaving that with like, man, I, I, I'm not well rested and I'm doing something else wrong. No, 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 no. I'm trying to give you some hope. Yes, there's seasons. But, but don't believe the lie that, hey, I can't be well rested right now because I got little kids. But when they get like in middle school, then I'll be well rested. Talk to a middle school parent. They're like, well, I, I, I may not be able to be well-rested because of all the middle school, whatever, but when my parents or when my kids are, are teenagers, then, I can, then I'll be well-rested. Talk to me, all right, if you think, because you, you're gonna, you can, they don't wake you up at night physically because like, they need something or because they're coughing, but you wake up at night for some other reasons, right? Like, don't believe the lie that, that I just got to push through and then that'll come. God made you, I don't care if you're 75 or 17, he made you to rest. And it is, there's a path for you to get from where you are today, especially you that laughed out loud, to one day being able to say, not every day, again, you're going to have your moments and bad, but overall, you're just like, you know what? I'm well rested. Or maybe, you, maybe you're like, there's still no, maybe you could say, I'm I'm more rested than I've been in a long time. Maybe, maybe that's our goal. That's really important to God, and I don't think it's historically that important to us. There's a, there's a book I've recommended to you before, and, and some of you went and read it, a few of you, most of you didn't. I don't, I, this isn't the rest message, so let me just end with, with Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. Uh, she's doing amazing work. She's a Christian. She's a follower of Jesus, 
And this book, I'm rereading this book. This book has meant so much to me. It's called Sacred Rest. And instead of me going any more on and on and on about rest, if, if God's speaking to you in this, then, then perhaps that's your next step is to go get that um, and read that. And, and here's what drives me nuts. The people, the people that are the most like chaotic and worn down and frustrated with life are the ones that won't read a book, right? And at some point, you know, we love you and you come in here exhausted and we're gonna love you because God loves you in that moment, right? And life is hard, we need each other. But man, it could be better. Not when Jesus comes back, it could be better now. But you gotta take some steps. Maybe reading a book, it's like, I don't read books. Well, maybe audio book, right? Maybe Maybe some of the folks that are like been, God's already been speaking in the series because they're in retirement. They're like, I need to be doing more with my time. Maybe you could get one of our retired folks to come to your house and read the book to you, right? So that'd be, that'd be a little, that'd be weird. Here, here's a little taste. Kidding, retirement people are doing a lot more important things than reading you a book. Um, here's a little taste of that book. Let me just give you a quote from her that kind of ties into where we are with work. Um, let you know who she is. She said this, you'll never find happiness if you major in producing goodness and minor in experiencing it, right? Talking about producing is good, work is good, all the stuff we talked about a few weeks ago. But if you major in, some of you are doing great work, right? You're doing great work. You're a great worker and those are things. But if you major in producing goodness, but you never, and that's what rest helps you just kind of back up and see and enjoy the process and the work. Paul was a, was a man who was um, against Jesus like you can't even understand. He hated Christians because he thought they were offensive to the real God. They were making this stuff up about a risen Savior and that he was the Messiah and he wasn't the Messiah. So he spent his life finding Christians, arresting Christians, and at times being involved in the death of Christians. Like, that's Paul. That's who God handpicked to write more of the New Testament than anyone else. And he's writing a because he became a Christian, became a follower of Christ, because the gospel is the power of God, and it changed him like it's changing so many of us. And he wrote a letter that we believe the Holy Spirit helped him write to a, to a church in a city called Philippi. It's called Philippians. And he'd been through a lot of stuff, and he tells the church in chapter 4, verse 12, he says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. Here it is. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Boy, you write that, you better. And it's fine if you say I learned the secret, but he added on the any and every situation. So I don't know what you're walking through, but I know it's included in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him, Jesus, who gives me strength. Right? We, we like to put verse 13 there on T-shirts and say, go hit the home run and you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. That's cute. But what it's talking about is not home runs. What it's talking about is Paul was like, man, I've had and I've been doing well and I've struggled. I've had food to eat and I've been hungry, but the, I've learned the secret of being content. I can have a joy and a peace. You might use the word happiness. I, I found something that goes with me on my, on my boom days and on my bust days, on my good days and on my bad days. And this season and this season, I've found something and it's living life, not on my own strength, but connected in relationship with him. He will carry me and, and, and humble me and be with me through all of it. And there's a contentment that actually doesn't leave me when I'm chasing in a relationship with Jesus. I mean, I, I show you that to challenge you because some of you are struggling with what I struggle with and we don't say it out loud and we don't state it, but in our hearts is this, I'm fine, God, I'm with you, I'm chasing you, I'm fine as long as, as long as my kids are healthy, as long as I'm able to um, live, you know, a, a reasonable upper middle class life, I'm fine as long as you do this for me. I'm long as you don't take this from me. And, and the problem with that, because it's like when we say that, we don't think that it's, I'm not asking much, God, right? I, I'm good. I just, and it's fine to ask, and he wants you to pray. But if we're putting that as a condition, then we don't understand contentment. Is he really enough? 
How do you prove that Jesus is enough? This is what some of the truth that some of us hate and God wants to tell you how good this truth is, but we run from it. How do you know if Jesus is really enough? The only way to know if Jesus is truly enough is if everything else is taken. I don't want that for you. Don't pray that for me. But is there a relationship that's so real and a God who knows you so well that you could say what Paul said, the secret to life and contentment is no matter what else is going on, as long as I've got his strength, his love, as long as I've got this relationship, I'll be more than okay. And if you don't believe that, but you say, I'm with Jesus, like what does that say about Jesus? If he's good enough as long as you're able to buy this or produce this or be this or do this or have this, as long as, as I have this going on in my life, then I'm okay. What that says about Jesus is he's actually not enough. He's only enough if you get this list of stuff that you've decided, which means Jesus can't really be who he says and claimed to be because he can't sustain us unless we got these certain list of things. That's not the truth. Just chase him. I'm not, I'm not minimizing work-life balance. It's a myth, it's impossible, but it is a tension. And, and we're, but, but the first step in figuring that out is chasing and trusting Jesus no matter what. We try to fit God into our work bucket sometimes, right? Fitting God into your work bucket is, is really frustrating. What we wanna do is is figure out how to fit work and what we're gifted and called to do, how to fit that into the bigger bucket that God is, right? We say this statement, who I am, my identity, is completely wrapped up in whose I am. That's very different than saying who I am is completely wrapped up in what I do. I belong to God. I don't deserve that, I haven't earned that, but he chose me like he chose you to rescue and adopt me, to free me, to save me, to know me, to work with me, to sanctify me, to be patient with me, to call me home one day and be with him forever. That's who I am. And it's all built on whose I am. Uh, someone, one of you sent this to me, this a podcast this week. It's uh, Jenny Allen's podcast. Jenny Allen is the founder of IF, uh, the conference that we're participating in Saturday where our women and um, she, she wrote a book called Nothing to Prove that is one of my top 10 life-changing books I've ever read. Um, but she does a podcast and somebody sent it to me and she's interviewing this dude named Jamie Winship. I'd never heard of him um, until this week. Some of you need to, to learn this guy, but he tells this story. It's so powerful. Uh, he tells a story of believing God but not being a Christian, not, not really following Jesus. And he uh, was an athlete and I don't know the age. I think he was in his 20s, but he had... Uh, knee surgery, he was in the hospital for five days. And he was mad and angry at the world and life. And this woman, who he doesn't know her name, he's tried to find her um, because he became a Christian through this experience, a follower of Jesus and is one to this day. Um, and he's tried to find this, this nurse and he can't find her. But this nurse would come in uh, to his room and just full of Jesus and full of love and full of encouragement. And he says, I would yell at her and I would cuss at her and I just didn't want to hear it. And she would leave. I would tell her to leave and she would leave and she'd come back the next day. Um, like nothing ever happened. Just bringing more love and more Jesus. And he would be mad and he would eventually yell at her, tell her to go on and she would go on. But he says, as part of his testimony, what he realized, not really at, in the hospital as much as when he got out, was that her love was stronger than his anger that he was, he was wanting to be angry and he was, he was frustrated with her love and he was gonna dominate her love for him who was a stranger who she had never met. He was gonna dominate her love for him with his anger towards her. And every time he tried to dominate, he fell. He kept just getting beat down and he had to admit that her love and wherever that's coming from, whatever she's got is stronger than his anger. So he, his whole story is about his call to, and just knew that God had called him to be uh, in law enforcement and a police officer. So he said, when he got released from the hospital and, and, and just Jesus did this amazing work in him, he started to pray this prayer. He said, teach me how to be a police officer like she is a nurse. 
It was a prayer that changed his life and now it's changing other lives because he's got a platform and now he works for CIA and does just amazing. Like, go look his story up. It's crazy. But he says, there was plenty of nurses and doctors in the hospital and they were doing good work. There's nothing wrong with them. He said, but she was different. Like, they were doing their job and that's fine and we're thankful for it. But he said, she was something deeper than her vocation. And then I want, to, I want you to see this quote because it was so powerful. He said, she was bringing her identity into her vocation, not getting her identity from her, voc- her vocation. And, and, and I, I, th- that job's about such an amazing job, right? People that, first responders, nurses, like it's all what, a, but, but it, that's not what this is about. Like teachers, yes, all that, but but maintenance workers, like whatever you're going to school, like going to school and sitting in a class and taking tests, if that's your way, wherever you're at, bring your identity into your work, into your school. Bring your identity in Jesus and people will be blessed and changed forever. We're so excited about this series, not for the nine o'clock and 11 o'clock service that we're doing. We're so excited for what this is gonna mean when you go where you're going. Tomorrow, if we learn to bring our identity into our work, which then allows us to do what we've been talking about, this is our verse for the whole series, Colossians 3, 17. I'll show it to you again. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Coach in the name of Jesus. Teach in the name of Jesus. Clean up restrooms in the name of Jesus. Study in the name of Jesus. Serve. Mow your yard in the name of Jesus. Do it all in the name of Jesus. Giving thanks to God the Father. It's a grateful heart because our identity has been given to us. We didn't earn it. And now, man, we're going to work hard, but I'm going to chase Jesus first. He's going to honor that, and he's going to teach me to prioritize and manage how and where and when I work. Let me, let me stand you up, and I'm going to pray this for us, because a lot of us are going to work tomorrow. Right? Father, we, uh, we thank you for that story that Jamie Winship shared and just his life and but it's not about him God it's about you and God there's 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 a phone call it's a sales call it's not about anything and God it's not about like stopping the sales call and sharing the gospel although if you call us to do that God help us have the courage to do it no matter what but people are so hurting they're so lonely they're, they're so empty and how we make the call how we interact with customers, employers, employees, clients, professors, teammates, roommates, classmates. Oh, it matters. God, pray, I pray that we would, we would chase you and, and not out of guilt or fear or shame. We'd chase you. We'd be excited to just, Jesus, where are you taking me? I just want to go where you take me. I trust you. And whatever that means, I'm going to trust whatever that means. That whatever we do, we do it in your name for your glory, and that we would not find our identity in in our work. We'd find our identity in you and you alone, and that would massively transform how we work. God, I pray you'd bless this church as we go. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have a great week.